Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. Uh, we've got a wonderful guest uh, with us today. She's an author. She is an advocate. She does some wonderful things. She's got a great personality and she goes swimming and goes to the gym and has a lot of fun. And she's in uh, her, her name is Terry Fitzsimmons. And she's also got a pen name that we're going to talk about here in a minute. Uh, but uh, Terry, how are you today? Any better and I couldn't stand it. I tell you, then sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm dumb. Mm. I didn't mean that, and uh, uh, it's great to have you here again. We had a wonderful conversation the last time you were here, and and it was a lot of fun. And uh, I I wanted to have you back because I just love your attitude about the last quarter of our lives. Um, and let me explain to those of you who have never thought about it in these terms. The way I look at it is uh, from year one to twenty five is when you're growing up and you're learning how to be like a human and, and getting ready for your life, 25 to 50, you're taking care of your family, you're developing your career, everything like that. And from 50 to 75, you are now coasting, if you will, your career is going to wind down. You're going to retire and get all that squared away. And you get to have some grandkids maybe and, and stuff like that. And then from 75 to question mark, that's the time that a lot of people kind of just assume that they're not going to enjoy that part and it's going to be gone. And, and Terry is one that says, poo-poo on that idea, don't you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And you believe that everybody has, um, has something to do and something important to do till the very day that, they, that it's time for them to give it up. Yes. And I thank you for doing what you're doing. And, and uh, so why do you do what what got you motivated to help older folks really live their life to its, its extreme like that? Because I think it's so sad. I don't want to use the word tragic. No, I will use the word tragic. Um, I, I've seen people when the other part that I lived in before we moved up to paradise, uh, in the res in the over 55 retirement park going i would go down different streets you know to go to work and come home and i'd see all these beautiful decks all these beautiful porches and kevin nobody would be sitting on them you know mm -hmm. enjoying enjoying what they have what they built i i would go around because i am i'm a peeping tom i'm a sociologist so that's what i'm supposed to do is hello what's your life all about and I, I saw people that women that are still in their house coats sitting on the front porch, having a cigarette and literally watching life go past them. You know, their worldview was was what they could see from their porch. And, you know, the swimming pool, all the facilities that were there for us that had to be taken away. Why? Because people weren't using them. And I thought. This is really sad that people were old before their time. And of course, my mother was the greatest example. She was 
back in the day with Jack LaLanne. I don't know if you remember Jack LaLanne and Ed And his Allen dog Storm and, and his wife uh, Elaine. Yes. And doing those exercises every day and doing the facials and looking beautiful and just so vibrant. I mean, those, those were my role models. And I just cannot see with, with, uh, with people the word just giving up. And then when you meet with them, let's see, how many medications am I on today? And I've got this doctor's appointment and I've got that. And they live by that. So this was a whole new experience for me. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm in the fountain of youth out here in this Dell Webb community. I'm, sur I'm surrounded by thrivers. I'm surrounded by, by laughter and love and all these people um, playing tennis every single day, being out in the pool, down at the gym. And it's wonderful. So today was a perfect example, Kevin. I, I spent about two hours in the pool. And I thought, okay, I'm going to prepare for the podcast today. So I, I gathered the women in the pool and we started talking about what it means to be in our 70s. And we were laughing and talking about having a purpose in life and being each other's um, cheerleaders and talking about one person who her brother died. And then a week later, she fell. And somehow the combination of the two, she went into a deep depression. And so she's regressing now. So we're all out there trying to encourage her to say, hey, you know what? You were doing great three months ago. Look at where you were. You know, we can get you back there. And, yeah. and it's so important to have that support group. And we were talking about other ways to survive, about um, tools that people can look for. I mean, not being pessimistic or anything, but you know, we're married or we have a partner and one day maybe we'll be alone or we could break our hip. Okay. Do we have a support group in place telling each other to pull our shades, you know, pull our shades up every morning. If our shades are down during the day, there's something wrong. Having phone numbers, not being afraid to ask for help. So we had a great conversation today about just staying youthful and preventing, um, being discouraged. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, my mom lived on Woodby Island and for a long time. And you know what the biggest uh, uh, group there on Woodby Island was? They had a, a you know a community group. It was called the Widows Club. Because, because, and the fact of the matter is, women tend to live longer than men. Yes. And, and so in many cases, uh, and I live in a 55-plus community, and the fact of the matter is, Women outnumber the men like eight to one. Um, mm -hmm. And they're now in their mobile homes, sitting there by themselves because they're all alone and they're just sitting there watching TV. And that's, you know, we've got a rec center. We've got a pool. We've got all the things that you need to get out. But for whatever reason, people have lost their will. Could you explain now, the group that you were talking about, I assume that you were all ladies and you were standing or in the pool or sitting in the pool or and just having a conversation, um, which was which is great to see. Um, but why is it that people just give up, do you think? Oh, you know, we've been brought up. We, you know, Kevin, if you could imagine closing your eyes and, and going back to when you were younger. 
I imagine you're like me. We didn't have role models of aging. If you look at pictures of people that were in their 40s and 50s, I mean, when we were young, they looked old. I mean, 55, if you're reading a book, they'd say, oh, this elderly woman with her, you know, white hair, this 55-year-old woman. And, and that's what we were taught to believe that. And people really, they, well, of course, they didn't live as long as we are. Well, you know, one of the, one of the, I got, I don't mean to interrupt, but. Oh, interrupt, please. I know that this, this guy, you'll remember. Um, his, his most famous line is, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And, <laughs> and that was Clark Gable. And mm -hmm. he was in Gone with the Wind. And I remember what he looked like when he was in his last movie just before he passed away of a heart attack. And the Misfits. He, yeah, it, it, very good. The very good. With Marilyn the Monroe. That was, yeah, The Misfits. And, and uh, Montgomery Cliff. Yeah, they all died. And After and he looked really old at when he did that, and he was he was sixty, and of course they all said, and uh, um, Clark Gable, and who died at an elderly age of sixty years old. Yes, you know, yes. You know, it, it's it's different now because you know my mother, God rest her soul, passed away at ninety, and uh, uh, you're going to be living a, well into that time. Um, oh yes, and and. And it's, so things have changed and we have the ability now with medical science and stuff to live a lot longer. Um, and I'm going to tell you a story about my dad in just a second, but I want you to, to, uh, uh, to tell us about um, your, your life. What do you foresee yourself for the future? I know you've written another book, uh, by the way, her, her uh, pen name is TK banner. And she's written, how many books have you written now? Oh my gosh, I think I've got four published. Um, one's just about to be published. It should be out in about another month. And then I'm working on my teaching memoirs and I'm just finishing editing that one. And then That's I've got one that was um, my friend who was dying. Uh, let's see, I was working on, she She was working on a book for about four years. She's a fantastic writer, a ghost writer. So she was dying and she couldn't finish her book. So she entrusted me to finish her book for her. So every day for from Jan, from July until February, I sat with her for about two to three hours every day working on her book. So I've got, you know, my book, my name will be on the title of that book too. You know, that's quite an honor that somebody yes. will honor you with, with her life work like that. Yes. Yeah. That's 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 really cool. So uh, TK Banner, you can go to her website, which is tkbanner.com, and you can find out all about her and the book she's written. And um, she's got the Best of Friends series, um, which is that is that a series or that is that one? Book? No, no. It's just that was my baby. That was my my first historical novel uh, celebrating what women have done. Uh, throughout throughout the decades, ah, I highly recommend it. It's a it's a it's a good book, and you and I love historical novels because they have uh, a basis in fact, and but you can weave the story in a way that that those the people that were actually there may not want to tell you about. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I included trivial things like uh, there was uh, with the factory workers, you know, with all the women and children working in the factories. And I went online in Chicago uh, in the 1920s. They had a fire and a little no, they, I'm sorry, that was another one. Let me. Oh, there was a young girl at 12 years old who was very psychic and she could do things like lifting people and and mind reading and she was stabbed to death so i threw that into the story you know and i actually had the pictures full of that at the end and and dealing with the pack horse librarians and all of eleanor roosevelt's you know travels with lorena hick her so-called lover and you know and throwing all of those those things in there it was great now, we're, the other thing that we're talking about with Terry Fitzsimmons is we're talking about um, being over 70 and getting a little older and, and maintaining your passion and living your life to your fullest. But I, I do, do have to ask you, because this is one of the things that I really didn't expect as I was going to get older and, and now that I'm like 65, I, I didn't expect that, my, that I would start losing contemporary people of mine. The, the people that I know that are my age are dying. And yes. It, it, it is very concerning when, you know, we're still here, you and I, and but we have, I know that you've had lots of friends. I, my best friend from high school, several people I played ball with in high school, my brother uh, who was um, just 18 months older than me at the time, they're, they're, they're passing away. And it's, it's, it's like, what is this survival of the fittest and and see who lasts long, lasts the longest? You know, it's it's kind of too bad. How do you handle that? Oh, well, the pandemic, of course. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean that. I mean, losing so many people, like my favorite couple. You know, just oh come on, no, he died and then she died right after that, and 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 going through this and. It is tragic. And then the irony of it, I've got about three or four friends who don't take care of themselves. One of them just sits on a couch and smokes all day. Um, and she's in her late 80s and still going strong. So you're looking at, okay, God's, you know, George Carlin would have a ball with that about looking at the irony of life. And you look at it, and if I didn't have my, my spiritual beliefs of we've all got a purpose in life, we don't have any control over, you know, when our last breath is going to be taken. And the only thing we can do is celebrate the people who have passed on before us, and they have transcended and, and passed over, and, and we're still here. We, we've, we've got a purpose. We're, you know, God isn't finished with us yet. I, I I totally agree with your assessment. And the, and the one thing is I'm convinced that my expiration date's on the bottom of my foot, but I can't raise my foot enough to be able to see the bottom of my foot, so I can't see it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't, didn't make you oh. laugh when you were drinking. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, so, so, but you know, the, and that's the thing is that I, and I get it. Um, we all have got different ideas of what life is and when life is, when it's time for us to go or, you know, we, we feel like we're done. Um, some of us, some of us 
last anyway, but that means they weren't supposed to be done, but they chose mm -hmm. to be done um, and stuff. So it's, I think it's, it's a wonderful experience to get a little bit older and to, and to be able to like, you're still fit enough to be able to go to the gym and you're working with a personal trainer and you're going swimming and that's how you spent your day up until now. And I will continue to do so. And even when, when I can't, then there's other things I can do. There's the word compensation. It's like if you lose a limb, then you, you compensate with another one. If you lose one part of your body, you continue on with the other, you know, using your mind. You know, oh, okay, I fine, I can't do this. I can, I can do other things. And the whole thing is, Kevin, is not to give up. We were not meant to give up. We were meant to thrive. We our job in this life is to experience joy and to spread joy. I mean, how simple is that? Oh, it's 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 simple but hard. Yes. Cuz a lot of people, you know, I don't know what <laughs> I don't know why it is, but you know, like I said, I live in a 55 plus community. And I see people walking around and they'll walk their pets and stuff like that. Nobody has a smile on their face. With take that back, with the exception of one lady, nobody. Everybody else is just being quiet um, and not saying anything. I said, said to a gentleman who was walking his dog yesterday, I said, "How you doing?" And he said, oh, "I'm all right." And I said, yeah. "Well, you know, it's a great day." And he said, "They just kind of bleed one into the other." Except for Thursday is my chiropractor day, so that's different. <laughs> So it's like, come on. You're walking your dog. It's a beautiful day. It's nice outside. You can smell the fresh air. You can do all the things that you can do. You should enjoy it. And we we tend to poo-poo it. And they're not walking. I mean, it's one foot in front of the other. Are they enjoying the moment? No. If you were to ask them when they were finished with their, with their walk, um, how many flowers did they see that day? What differences did they see in the yards or, or how many birds did they hear singing? They were too busy either ruining about the past or thinking about the future or going, oh, God, oh, so long since I, uh, my, uh, how long will it be till I can take this dog home? You know, finish with this walk. Now I have to do something else. For crying out loud, enjoy the moment. I mean, you're you know, blessed with this nature. Yeah, you, you know, Terry, it's funny. There's a lady who walks around the park, and she'll pick up cigarette butts, and she'll she'll move stuff off to the side, or if she sees a weed that needs to be pulled, she'll pull the weed and stuff. And I asked her one day, I said, you know, you always seem so happy, and you're always walking around. And she said, yeah, well, it's because my husband won't let me have a TV set. <laughs> So I got nothing else to do, so I go out. And I said, well, what does he do? I don't know. I guess he just sits there. Um, but so she is getting out and walking around, and she says hello to people. And there was a, there was a couple that were had to be in their 60s. And she walks up to him and said, are you two married? And, <laughs> and they said, no, 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 no. And she said, well, then that's why you're smiling. <laughs> Oh, how sad is that? Oh. oh. <laughs> and and they were doing a study not too that uh, I, I tapped into that 
uh, the average senior citizen watches 28 hours of TV a week. Do you believe that? Oh, yes. Yeah. And I mean, that sedentary lifestyle. And we all know that, you know, every 20 minutes or so you stand up, you stretch. There was one commercial a few years ago. It was a body in motion stays in motion. And that's what that's what I truly believe. But once you get into that and and looking at that box in front of you, you're not interacting. You're not, you know, living. You're just watching. Yeah. You know, it, it was really sad in my life. And I I have vowed that I'm not going to do this. Oh, my, thank you. My dad was a executive at Nordstrom. And he was head of the children's shoes division for the entire company. You think that's a big time job, but it wasn't big enough as as much as the job he had before. So he was basically backwatered and he could have that job for as long as he wanted. And so he was unfortunately had a conversation with Mr. Nordstrom one day and he said, you know, I'm not really fulfilled in this job. And, and Mr. Nordstrom said, well, do you want to retire? And he said, he was 58. I said, well, I'm thinking about it. And so the next day, they brought a package to him for him to retire. So he retired at 59. And then he played golf, you know, two, three days a week for the next decade until um, he fell and broke his hip and couldn't play golf anymore. And then, then the other thing was, uh, Terry, he didn't want to go out and volunteer. He didn't want to go out and walk dogs. He didn't want to go out and meet people. He just had his the clubhouse people that he knew and, and would play cards with and stuff. And so it came to pass that when he could no longer play golf, though that all went away. And so he ended up sitting on the couch. Yeah. Just watching TV. Yeah. And until the day he died. And that was just, it, it, what a waste. Because he had such. Oh, it is. It is. He was such a, a remarkable man, and uh, he, I mean, for years he was known as Mister McDonald, Mister McDonald, Mister McDonald's coming. Make sure everything's clean, oh, you know, and, and stuff. And and then he became Jack, which is his first name, and he lost his identity. And oh, so, that, yeah, yeah. You see, with me, I've got this thing about labels. Before you retire. You have an identity. I am a teacher. I am a CEO. I'm, I'm a secretary. I'm this, I'm that. But what it is with retirement, uh, the next morning when you wake up, you are no longer, you do not have that label. So it becomes, okay, we're in the swimming pool. You meet somebody. I used to be a teacher. I used to be this. I, you still carry that identity, that label with you. And it's so hard for us to let go of the labels, just get rid of our masks and just be. Let's strip ourselves. But you know what, Kevin? We're not taught to find out who we are inside without a label. And nobody teaches us about having a parachute. I always go into, and I used to teach for careers, about the football player. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be the best quarterback. I'm trained for this. That's all that person sees in their life. Well, what happens? They fall, they break a hip. There goes their career. 
nobody teaches them that they have to have a backup plan. Like with retirement, nobody teaches us. Well, like with my, my fiance, he loves golf. And I said, sweetheart, golf every day if you can, because it's a short span, you know, until you won't be able to play anymore. But what are you going to do when you can't play golf anymore? Discuss these things ahead of time. Don't wait for that to happen, that you break a hip, you know, the knee replacements, the two biggies with, with retirees. But you have that in plan. You talk about those things ahead of time. What other things do you enjoy doing? Have fun with it. Oh, absolutely. And even in your case, you're riding up a storm. Yeah. And and you're enjoying doing that and also getting out and about and, and living your life to the fullest. And you have a fiance. That's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a wonderful life. And you know, when you talk about you know living in gratitude, having an attitude of gratitude. You wake up in the morning, of course, with me with the fire, of course, every morning I get up and I've got so much gratitude. That the irony of the situation, I was burnt out of paradise, but now I've got my own paradise here. It never ends, you know, and that's a, that's a really cool thing, is it? And by the way, and what Terry's talking about is she lost everything in the paradise fire. Uh, her house was completely destroyed. All of her belongings. She came, She hails from Canada, and her green card was gone, and she said she couldn't even go home uh, to visit anybody, but but you survived it. What in in hindsight, and I'm I know you've written about this, but in hindsight, what was it that allowed you to persevere to get over it and not because this didn't this wasn't all that long ago. No, it was five it was be five years ago um, in November, and to be honest with you, it was survival. Like as I say, the day after the fire, I bought the laptop. I started the insurance papers. You know, it was something that, okay, I had to do. And when I do look back, like as you say, in hindsight, there was no thought in my mind about, oh, my God, I, I give up. And, and I know people don't say that. They don't say, okay, I give up and then give up. It's just a process that they do. They're so... Uh, so much in trauma and so much in shock. But I, for some reason, there was something in my psyche that I had to put one foot in front of the other and and keep going. And then I'm, I've always been an avid reader. And for something, when I, when I saw all my books on my phone, and I talked about to, with this before, about Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, all my spiritual leaders were surrounding me and it was oh okay I'm alive and those things don't mean anything like the joke of you don't see a hearse towing a U-Haul um they mean they mean nothing think about it uh and it does it changes your entire perspective on life because even after the fire and I moved up to Medford and I don't know if you remember but 2019, I had to evacuate again because the fires were chasing me up there with the towns of talent burning down. And then you built your house and you had a drunk driver drive into it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but you, you, you get through things. And when I, when I went through another more sessions of therapy, when I got down here because of my aneurysm, I, I went through, woe is me. All these things happened. And my coach says, Terry, you, you make it sound like it, it all happened at once. You're clumping everything together. You deal with life in its segments and you reframe everything. You reframe everything like, oh, gee, I had to go up and be with my mother right before the, the pandemic. She had had a heart attack and I had to be with her and handle everything. But with the pandemic, I, I couldn't say goodbye to her. I mean, I couldn't give her a funeral. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And she says, but geez, Terry, look at it a different way. You were able to go up there and you did this for her. You were able to spend 27 days with her. So you look at things that happened to you and you refrain them and you try to find that golden nugget in there. Yes, I was in the fire, but what I got out of there was all this inner strength that I never ever knew that I had in my life and how can I be of service to other victims and turn them into survivors see and if I had if I had, if I told you 10 years ago Terry in the future your house is gonna burn down you're gonna get chased by a fire you're gonna have a drunk driver going to your next house and all of this is for your higher good. What would you have told them? Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been smoking? I'm telling. Yeah. Nobody. Because I, I never thought that I had the strength within me to do this. But obviously, obviously I did. And I'm thinking if I can be strong through that, I can get, I can get through anything. And Not so only it's, did you, you do, you do, and it continues. And that's, and that's one of the things that's going to be your driving force and is going to take you through your 70s and then your 80s into your 90s and as long as you care to be here. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And, oh, you know, what glorious times they are. If you live in the, in the moment, um, you you don't care about the future is going to be what the future is going to be. And the word control, we don't have any control over anything. Even with our emotions, they can switch from one moment to another. So it's just, that's all we've got. Life is nothing but a series of moments. That's, that's all it is. I believe Wayne Dyer said that, didn't he? Probably, yes. My Wayne Dyer, yes. May he rest yes. in peace, yes. Yes, yes, indeed. I, I First time that I um, listened to one of his talks, he was on PBS a lot, and, and he donated his time when they were raising money and, and that kind of stuff. And the first time I ever heard him, I called a friend and said, you need to go to Channel 9 and listen to this guy. He's pretty Yes, soft. yes. Yeah. And then he... he he had a great life, and he was really interested. So, if you haven't picked up a Wayne Dyer book, go buy one. And they're out there, and you can, and you can, and they're they're very helpful. They're very helpful. And go on YouTube. Um, yes, all his all his talks are on YouTube, and and the same with uh, Deepak. I remember the one of the first books 
uh, which changed my life years ago was um, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And I loved, uh, even today I was, I was writing for my writer's club, a little snippet with writer's block as I can't think of anything to write. So it was like the law of the least effort. I was struggling to write and I couldn't come up with anything. And I was frustrated. And then I started laughing, thinking about Deepak, the law of, of the least effort. You know, I wasn't meant to write right now. Wait till I can do it when it's effortlessly. And it's interesting how that works. And it's so true. If you're, if you're forcing something, you're forcing something. But if, if you're letting it actually flow through you, that's, yeah. that's the really cool part. And again, just letting it go. Let it go, baby. That's that's right. So, um, so what do you, you know? You've got two books that are at the at the publisher or in in process. In process. One of them's with the publisher, and the other one, I'm still working on it to send it off. Very good. And then the one that's at the publisher. When do you expect to have that out? Uh, that should be out within the next month. And the one that I'm doing right now, it started off as just as my memoirs. It's uh, I got class uh, from college to the classroom and beyond about how I fell into college by mistake and all my experiences on the reservations and dealing with parolees and, you know, all my teaching experiences. Well, my editor wanted me to make it into a woman's journal. So after each chapter, I've got points to ponder. Uh, questions for my readers, and then all kinds of helpful hints to go along with each chapter. To, so to make it into an interactive journal. That's really that's really cool. Now you also so you also worked with uh, convicted felons and and while they were in prison and stuff. No, it was uh, parolees, and that was ah. a hilarious experience a 10-week course a career course with with parolees and i walked in there and went oh my god what have i got myself into <laughs> they didn't want to be there they tried to sabotage everything but i learned quite a few lessons from that 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 helped me out with with teaching and helping other people with relationships of understanding body language it was it was a fascinating experience i didn't do them any good I mean, the whole thing could have been considered a failure, but I got through the 10 weeks, but I think I learned more than, than they did. Well, I don't know that you can't, you can't say that you didn't do any good unless you followed everybody after that. That's true. Sometimes, sometimes it yeah. takes a, a few minutes for a message to resonate. <laughs> Probably a few years. <laughs> Their goal, that was that, that crazy problem was trying to get through my head. <laughs> but it was interesting. What I learned was, uh, why well, I got interested or continued my interest in psychology and body language was every single one of them, without a doubt, had no accountability whatsoever. Well, the stupid old broad, she left the keys in the car. Well, of course I was going to steal them. Well, my wife talked back to me. Of course I had a hitter. And it sent chills up my spine the way they talked, that they weren't to blame for anything. And one day they came in and says, okay, you guys, why is everybody in a bad mood? Oh, for God's sakes, look at it. It's raining out there. What do you expect us to do? And I'm saying, you big burly man, you're allowing the rain to control you. The rain's got, you know, nothing. It can't 
cause you to be in a bad mood. And so when I started teaching, I, I would see some little kids would go, Fitz, what are you talking about? Of course I had to hit that kid. Oh, boy. Again, the chills down my spine. Here he goes. He could grow up because no accountability whatsoever. None. Uh, oh, it, it, interesting experience. It, it is. And, you know, and you can get into a really, really, really deep discussion about how things have changed and there's less accountability and there's more daycare and there's more more single parents and there's a lot of dysfunctionality and there's more drug use and stuff like that it's it it all is part of the same same problem that we are having is that we don't take care of one another the way we should yes and we spend more money on the other side of the spectrum instead of having more counselors instead of having more help in the schools instead of having more help for single parents we build more prisons <laughs> yes we yeah. do we yeah, have one that, of the highest out there. yeah we have one of the highest uh, prison rates in the entire world even more than china believe it or not yes yes and yeah. we we really should be working to well, you know, like I like I told you before, I drove a bus for twelve years, and there were lots of folks that were had mental issues, so would ride the bus because they couldn't drive, they couldn't get a driver's license. This is the only way they they could get around, um, and we didn't take care of them. Uh, we just said, well, if you're functional, and by functional I mean you can walk and you can eat and you can sleep, that's that makes you functional. And but they were not prepared to live life. They, they had no earthly idea how to even begin to do that. Yeah. I belong to a, uh, the Association of NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness. And looking at people that were released from prison, they're out in the streets and without their meds. Yeah. Yeah. And then even when you're talking about a bus, I had an interesting experience when I was 18. Uh, a uh, man with limited mental capacity got in the bus and tried to rape me <laughs> on the bus. Uh. Thank goodness he was, um, you know, wasn't fully functioning <laughs> because it was in front of other people and I was safe. But yeah, it's it. They they're they're out there and I don't know. It's just it's just really sad to me. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to keep working on it, and you're going to keep writing and write some inspiring things and, and talking about all of these issues because they're important and, and leading your life to the fullest because the other the last time we talked, I said, well, you're 73, and, you're, and you said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and that, that all changed. And congratulations, by the way, and uh, on your anniversary. Um, my my seventy starting my seventy fourth chapter yes exactly and and your seventy fifth chapter is going to be rich and uh, powerful just like your seventy sixth one will yeah. be so uh, we've been talking with uh, with uh, T K Banner and or Terry Fitzsimmons tkbanner.com is where you want to go buy her books there it's I get smoldering embers of paradise is the book about about how she lost her house and it's it's gotta be a heartfelt thing 
to read that book. So she's she's a terrific writer. Uh, she's won awards. She's she does a really good job. You also do a blog. Tell us about the blog a little bit. Oh, now I'm not experienced at all with doing blogs, but again, trying to get my word out with helping people thrive. People, excuse me, um, who have retired and looking at things like getting getting rid of labels, uh, things to do when you retire, your mental attitude, you know, all all those things. So that that's what I've been doing is is reaching out to people with that. So I'm just starting starting out. But again, you can't fail if you if you try. So that that's what I'm doing. I'm in the primitive stages, but with that, and that's on my my author website as well. So I don't think that's true. I think that you've got some really good uh, uh, thoughts here. Like, uh, why lead a mediocre life? Learn to go from being a, in a state of disease to self uh, self awareness. I think, but that but that's really good. That's because disease is something that that we don't want as we get older anyway. Well, uh, no. Well, what I'm doing is, is I put the disease, the hyphenated disease, not a disease such as an illness. It's when you feel ill at ease with your life, like to tell people, you know what, this is okay to feel this way. The first um, sign of improving is awareness. If you are aware that, oh, geez, I'm getting in a rut. Oh, I'm starting to get depressed. And once you have a dis that disease, then you can move up and then you can do something about it. But they don't want to go down that slippery slope of going into total depression. So Thank I'm you. trying to teach people to, okay, this is good. You recognize the fact that something's wrong with your life. Great. Now we can move on. Now we can do something about it. Yep. If you don't recognize it, there's nothing you can do about it. That's right. So, so what I'd like to do now is I'd like to, I'm going to step aside and I would like you to tell our audience any, anything that you would like them to know. Oh, about myself or it could be some wisdom what what would be if, if you're when you're feeling down and not feeling yourself what piece of wisdom do you use to bring yourself back who most of my life i can get into really deep depressions and i get very childish when i do it Poor Jim, I just, nope, I don't want to talk to you. Leave me alone. That's it. I just go to my room, shut the door. And now it's, I recognize it because I'm reading my body language. I feel that gnawing feeling in my stomach that, gee, something's just not right. I start to get irritable. So at that time, it's stop whatever I'm doing. And I sit out in the backyard, watch the lights, you know, in my backyard come out all through the ground. Got all these lights out there. They're beautiful. And look up at the stars and just start taking as many deep breaths as possible. Because when we start to feel in our doldrums or when we start to feel angry, if you recognize that you're not breathing, you're going, 
you're tense and you need to start taking deep breaths and going, okay, I'm having a temper tantrum. Okay, I'm miserable. But you know what? That's okay. And feel it. Don't try to get over it. Don't try to say, oh, Terry, you're acting stupid. Just, just smarten up. No. Oh, God, those are the wrong words. Just go, okay, I'm going to sleep all day in my bed. Okay, I'm not going to answer the phone. And that's okay because you know, Kevin, everything passes. That is so true. That is so true. Terry Fitzsimmons, thank you for doing this today with me. This is going to help someone. I hope so. I guarantee you. And then go to her, <laughs> go to, go to her website, which is tkbanner.com. And you can buy her books and find out all about the professional side. There's the, and I love the way you do that. There's a personal side. There's the professional side. And hey, I'm Gemini. I'm <laughs> you're doing them both, balancing them well. Because that's part of life's, the intricacies of life is to be able to balance it all. Yes. And to appreciate it. So I want to thank you so much for being here, my friend, and uh, and thank you for doing this. And if you'll wait right there, I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.